powered by Sports Interaction, Canada's Sportsbook. Want to bet? Then get in on the action at Sports Interaction. The boys of summer are back on the diamond and March Madness is on deck. Bet pregame, live in play, or on one of our many prop bets. Sports Interaction makes it easy to deposit, play, and cash out. Head to sportsinteraction.com sdpn or in Ontario, download the app now using the QR code at the bottom of the screen. 19 plus, please play responsibly. Hello, Oilers fans, and welcome, Sens fans, to Game Over Edmonton. If you don't know who we are, my name is Dennis Lee, and I'm joined by my awesome co-host, Zach Wheel. Zach, how are you feeling tonight? I'm feeling great. A little unsure about how I'm going to talk about Ottawa. I'll try my best. We'll see. But overall, I feel really good. Fantastic game. Fantastic for the most part, fantastic effort. This is definitely one of those wins that you can nitpick for sure. Like there is a number of things I'm sure we'll get into it that uh, at least from an Oilers perspective, um, you know, reoccurring themes like pizzas, critical errors in, um, in the third period, critical moments in the game, not necessarily things you want to keep doing, but uh, obviously very happy to get back on in the win column. Uh, it was a great effort. It was a fun game. Um, you know, I'm doing good here. Overall, on our side, I think we're happy about the scoreline. Maybe not so much on the Sens fan side. Uh, it's nice to see some names back in chat. How you doing, Mickinator, MGD? Guys, I'm feeling a little bit... Uh, I'm feeling like going for a little bit of a push here. So let's go for 63 likes tonight. It's a mm-hmm. 6-3 victory. No, it's going to be a tough one, but hey, maybe with a little bit of a boost from the Sens fans in the audience, we can get to that number. All right, let, let's start talking about the game. Like, it's... It's tough when you have a team that's coming in. Their playoff hopes are already kind of on the line, right? Ottawa, they had a really rough road trip. This is their last game of the road trip. I think they're heading back home after this. And honestly, it's tough now. If you try and go through their next couple of games, I think it's like Toronto. They got Colorado, I think. There's some really tough schedules, uh, scheduled games ahead of them. Ottawa's got a murderer's row. This is their, like, fine. They're right on the bottom half of the teams that are still, I guess, technically able to get in the playoffs in the Eastern Conference. Let me just look here. Uh, they have 70 points. Uh, it looks like uh, the Islanders are in the second to last wild card spot in the East, or last wild card spot with 76. Um, yeah, the we, they still they had a lot of teams. They to jump even over. games played. Yeah, they got a ball jump over Washington, Buffalo, and Florida. Uh, to me, a loss like this and then continuing on that murderer's row, uh, they better it's start t- looking at next season, especially considering the injuries, right? They lost Matthew Joseph, Thomas Shabbat didn't play. I um, mean, look at their goaltending. Talbot well, and Forsberg. Well, Talbot and Forsberg are gone. Forsberg got, did like the double MCL or meniscus pull against the Oilers. Last then game, yeah. this game, this uh, Sogard, I don't even know his first name. I, I know they have, oh my God, they have Mandalays and I can't, Kevin Mandley's, I think, and whoever Sogard, Matt Sogard, like Matt Sogard, said. I think, yeah, something is. like that. Um, he was he was really good. Like for yeah. you know, from the chances that the Oilers were generating, I thought early on they definitely weren't sharp. There was there like the first period, 
flat out, I think the Sens were the better team. I know I want to say 10 minutes in the shots were seven, two Sens. The Oilers, they, they were generating chances, but the pucks were missing the net. They were, they were cycling. I know, um, Fogel, Drysidle, and Nugent Hopkins that are, had a multiple shifts where they were cycling down deep, but they ne didn't necessarily create a shot or a chance off any of those. They were kind of just keeping the pressure or the puck out of their zone. Um, it was, it was very tentative. It felt sleepy. They felt slow. The passing wasn't crisp. Um, yeah. that's one yeah. of the toughest things, right? You have a team that's coming in and they're trying to play for their playoff hopes. They're trying to play for their life. And the Oilers, we know that they have some tough nights against their, against teams like third string goaltender, let's say, cause that's, that's what Sogard is. He, he mm -hmm. had to come in and save this season, but realistically he's, the, he's the third screen goalie on this team. Uh, yeah. especially after a brutal beatdown in Toronto, they kind of have a little bit of a rough stretch. Like the Oilers had some tough times and you could see that this game, losing this game would have been an absolute deflator for the entirety of the team. Not to mention game time decision. Zach Hyman was a scratch. Well, so did they say what happened to Zach Hyman? I, I swear I saw someone say that he might be sick. Yeah, um, there, there's been speculation that there's a flu bug going around but, in the room. They talked about it kind of pre in the first period, okay. but I, I, I no one really knows for the intermission part. So I, I I missed that. But the thing with Hyman is, I mean, me and you, like, let's just like we haven't we've been on the mic in what two almost two weeks now. So it's been a while, exactly. So it's great it's great to be back here. But one of the things that's kind of happened in those last two weeks, it's Zach Hyman's productions slowed down relatively, yeah. like from what it was. Obviously, he was on a crazy pace, and you don't really expect Zach Hyman to be a one hundred point forward in the NHL. Um, but it's almost like you would see that work ethic, but it wasn't as. I don't know. It, maybe there's an ailment there is what I'm trying to get at, essentially. Like, like he's, he's been nursing something. And he's a dog. He's a fighter. He's a workhorse. He's not going to pull himself from the lineup unless he's in absolute pain. So to see him sit out a game, especially this game, and the others both W, like, I'm fine with it. But to me, uh, it's, it, it's, you know, it's a little worrisome, depending on what it is. Um, Absolutely. A critical member to the to the team. But yeah, no, I was curious as to what it was. And I'm, I'm not going to speculate. I, I, I think sickness is more likely than an actual injury at this point but you know it's tough to say because you know guys when they're playing this is what 60 60 some 66 67 so when you're playing in these late end night games like you're you're gonna start getting banged up a couple yeah. of minor injuries i don't mind if it's just to nurse something that's been nagging him a little bit, maybe a hand, a foot, something like that, that he he's just saying, hey, it's a little bit bruised. Maybe I want to take the night off. It's Ottawa. Maybe we can afford it as well. We have Kane. Costin's yeah. been a healthy scratch for a couple nights. So it's fine. Like, let's let's roll with a, a little bit of a depleted forward core. And Costin, even though he got his chance tonight to kind of jump back into the lineup, he he didn't do so well. well I think mm -hmm. he was present. Yeah. But something about that third line with him on it, it, it doesn't quite click. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I, I like the way you put it. He was present. He was there. He was skating. You kind of noticed him, but like 
you didn't notice him for I want to say the right reasons, but also not the wrong reasons. You know what yeah. I mean? He was just he was just there. He's kind of floating Lame. around. He didn't have any big hits. He didn't have he didn't help maintain possession really in the offensive zone. The 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 straw that really stirs the drink in the Oilers' bottom six and is what's made them so formidable this year and such a positive has been Ryan McLeod. I know what everyone's gonna point to that giveaway that he had. That and listen, I love Ryan McLeod, but that was brain dead. That was uh, that was about as bad of a pizza, pizza as you can serve up in the NHL, right to probably the worst person you could do it. And that was the Marner one. Marner puts it in, whatever. That happened last game. So It for, happens to everyone, uh, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. But then to come out this game, early on, you get that two-on-one. You use your speed. You create separation. You pass it to Derek Ryan, who is able to have a partial break. And he snipes it, bar down. It's one nothing Oilers, right? What a great start to the game. And you could see the confidence just go flow right back into Ryan McLeod, the way he was carrying the puck, the way he was penalty killing. I thought he had a, I thought he had a really, really good game. And I, I know that Ryan McLeod left the bench later in the third period, right? Something happened to him. Uh, he got injured because I know I didn't hear them on the broadcast address it. I don't know. I don't think he came back and I don't know why he was gone. If Jay Woodcroft has a post game and someone in the chat, hears what happened to Ryan McLeod. I'd love for you to type it in chat. Cause uh, as of right now, I have no idea. And, and you saw the shift that the bottom six goes out right after Ryan McLeod gets off, uh, goes down the tunnel. They get scored on. It was Devin Shore, uh, Nick Bugstad and Matthias Yanmark, right? They didn't yeah, have Yanmark, that driver. Yeah. And Ottawa comes down and they make they make it a 5-3 game. And all of a sudden, because it's the Oilers and because they blew that lead the last game, the wheels start turning, the penalties start flowing, and everyone's butt cheeks are clenched. Like, it is not a smooth sailing to the end of this game, right? So there it's are not things an, you can clean up. It's but, not an Oilers game unless you're constantly on the edge of your seat, right? Whether you're mm-hmm. ahead or behind, no goal total is safe. Mm-hmm. Totally, totally. One person, I know we talked about Zach Hyman a little bit, obviously with him being out, Fogel gets elevated into the top six and I see uh, Hater McDater bring it up in chat. Uh, it, uh, yeah, Warren Fogel played fantastic there. One of his, I think one of his better games as an Edmonton Oiler. It's so funny that he, he did that thing on, on that first goal that he created for Leon Dreisaitl mm-hmm. in the first period when he just kind of circles back and he is a big guy. He's a deceptively fast skater and his hands are like a magic eight ball. You just, you never know what's going to come up. He dangles through one guy and you're like, oh, oh, here it comes. Because once a year, I swear to God, Warren Fogle, you see the seven on the side and you think it's Connor McDavid skating up the ice. You just can't tell. Man's, man's got speed. Yeah, and dangles he, through one guy. Well, and, and, and then just on that goal, I think it was Sanderson pokes it out. Nugent Hopkins keep, does a really nice keep in. And it goes, ends up to dry side of the taps at home. And it was a great goal. But that was all because of the effort of Warren Fogle, which you were talking about. I mean, yeah, like Warren Fogle has proven himself as this guy that maybe he's not going to pot a whole lot of points in your year, but he's a guy that can come up, play in the second line if you need him to. If he's just on the third line, that's fine as well. If he's playing with like McLeod, Yamo, a bit of an energy line sort of deal, he can do that as well. You don't expect him to score a whole bunch, but... You expect him to try hard, run the body. Mm-hmm. No, no real like absolute monster hits tonight from Vogel, I would think. But there are you see that effort 
as well, he's going out every yes, shift. Absolutely. And one of the things beyond the two assists, the, the thing that I appreciated about Warren Fogel tonight was his effort on the on the keep-ins in the defensive zone. When it looked like a play was dead, when it looked like the Senators were going to start a breakout, it was always Warren Fogel with that extra stick, that long reach, knocking it off the defenseman, creating a little bit of havoc, causing a turnover, making it, getting an ozone seal himself, and keeping that pressure on the Senators. That's something that can be so crucial. And that's what Hyman, I think, is the best in the top six at. So when Hyman's out, having Warren Fogel come in and do that and be that guy... Uh, it, it's fantastic to see. I think this is the type of depth and when they're fully going and when we get to the playoffs that you're going to want to see lines one come out and have that one guy who can create that pressure on the boards. Then you have Kane on the second line. Then you have Fogle on the third line. And I, and I know people in chat were talking about Kane uh, playing good. And I think Kane's been better the last two games. Definitely a lot of rust still with Evander Kane. I think we're going to have to see it chip off slowly. I mean, uh, honestly, he's barely played Sorry. this season. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I think last year was a little bit different the way he came out. You know, he was rusty, but like he was fighting for his life this year. He had a horrible injury and you're just hoping that he can buy where I, I essentially, I'm not going to judge the play of Evander Kane until game one of the Stanley Cup playoffs. Um, it just, just on the basis that he had that, he had broken ribs. He had the slice wrist. Uh, you, you want to see, and I think to get that assist on the empty net, there's still a little bit, I think timing wise, he's still a little bit off. There's just a bunch of things there. Some, like when he was is, in alone in front of the net, couldn't quite yeah. bury it. Yeah, exactly. Hands aren't th- quite there. The accuracy with his shot, I don't think is there. Like the, the, vo- the velocity he still has, but I don't think he necessarily has the same finesse and accuracy. And he's always been a volume shooter, not the most accurate shooter, but I think it's a little bit magnified with the issue with his wrist. Uh, mm-hmm. I just want to say what's up. It's Black Mascara in chat, our German friend, because the Germans definitely showed up tonight, right? It's it's so funny. Every night, night after night, every Oilers game, we get the McDavid Dreisaitl story, right? Mm-hmm. Tonight, it was the Dreisaitl Stutzliger uh, story, and it's fantastic to see because uh, there was a large German contingent oh, yeah. at at the game tonight yeah and having dry saddle pot to stutzla pot to i'm sure they're having an incredible night um to be honest there are some mighty comparables between the senators and the oilers right both are teams that have pretty good power plays uh penalty kill for the the senators seem to be a, a little bit better than the oilers i think they're eighth or something like that Uh, on the upper half of the nhl oilers not so much and of course we did get penalized on that uh in this game i think the first goal that the Sens scored (laughs) that was a pretty nifty looking power play uh just zipping it around they run the same set play where the defenseman goes down to the guy below the goal line and passes it out to the guy right in front of the net and takes that shot or passes it across the crease to the guy for the tap. It, it's almost identical to the set play that there was running. Maybe other teams run it too, but I don't know why it stuck out to me tonight. Uh, and I thought it was really interesting. So to see, you're right. Those comparables really stuck out to me when you're watching the power play. Now, I think the difference is that the Sens are a significantly younger team. And I think they obviously, they showed up. They were desperate. They're fighting for their playoff lives. They know that with every loss, the odds of them making the playoffs go down significantly. And I think at least in the first period, maybe the first half of the game, we had another instance of the Oilers kind of playing down to their competition. This is a game where the Sens had some will. The Oilers essentially, like when you when you score your three first three goals on, or two goals on three shots and you're, you know, in the first period, like completely, like I want to say they have five shots in the first 
three of them came on the power play or six shots in the first three of them came on the power play. Like there wasn't a lot of urgency with the Oilers there. They were kind of relying on their skills sat back, but then later, obviously in the second period, uh, later on, they start tagging them up. You got Ryan Nugent Hopkins, then Drysaddle again, and then Nick Bukestad from Matthias Ekholm with the beautiful buzzer beater. Uh, what a play by the trade deadline ads. Let, let's be honest here, right? Like when we talk about this team and the skill that they have in the Oilers, I kind of see Ottawa eventually getting to that level as well. Now you're right. They're way younger of a team. They have a lot to go through. I mean, when we were watching the Oilers in like 17, we kind of saw that happen as well. Just a team that's maybe a little too young to play playoff style hockey. Uh, obviously, if the Sens do make it in this year, that's going to be interesting because they have a hell of a lot of competition in the Eastern Conference. Um, to be honest, if you look at the goals that they have scored, right? On the power play, Kachuk uh, from Debrinket, great pickup. Alex Debrinket from Chicago, uh, from Chicago Blackhawks, amazing trade. Uh, and then the second goal that they had in the first period, Stutzla on a little two-on-one with Dylan Gambrell. Like these guys are gonna be good, and they're gonna play a similar skills type game. It's just that the Oilers are a future evolution of that right now, and you can see that they've taken both games in this season series against the Sens. Oh, yeah. I mean, exactly. The di- Again, we can say that they're comparables and every young team is going to say, oh, we want to compare ourselves to us. The only team that the Oilers are really comparable to is a team like the Pittsburgh Penguins with Malkin and Crosby. Like no one is going to have a dry saddle McDavid, or at least no one has a, McD- a dry saddle McDavid except for the Edmonton Oilers. So it's it, it's tough for a lot of teams to match that. You're going to have to build a really strong top six, which obviously for a lot of years, the Oilers didn't have. It was McDavid flanked by Ty Ratty and I, I don't I, I don't even know Alex Chase Perron. Exactly. No, I don't think McDavid ever played with David Perron. I think Dry, I, I believe Drysidle would have in the 14-15 season. But <laughs> Lucic. Yeah, exactly. The some, the, some anchors. <laughs> exactly. The ghost of Milan Lucic, right? Ottawa's <laughs> rebuilding well. I think because they had Chikrin, a full full year of Chikrin next year. And obviously I'm a noted Jacob Chikrin fan. Like I think he's <laughs> phenomenal. So like, what a pickup for Ottawa. I think he's immediately their best defenseman. I think he's a lot better. Thomas Shabbat. Thomas Shabbat gives me oh, yeah. more than Riley vibes. So you honestly, know. and uh, like their defense, that's not their strong suit right now. They mm-hmm. they, they got to build on that. But with Chikrin there, I mean uh, Artem Zub, you can argue he's he's probably going to be on the way out before they start getting into like serious playoff pushes. Sanderson's I, maybe I think okay. Sense fans are really high on Artem Zub. He gives me Ethan Bear vibes. Like yeah, not again. I've watched two Sens games this year. <laughs> Both they played the Oilers. So. I'm I don't I, I'm not an expert on this team. I don't know much about the market, but I believe I follow a few Sens fans on Twitter and I believe Art and Zub is part of the solution there. I think long term they 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 really value his presence on their blue line. And he did have a couple of pizzas tonight. Not a, a, great a couple game from of bad Zub. ones tonight. Yeah, Kane, he he was the guy who Kane picked the puck off to go uh, uh to skate in on the chance. And and that's where um Sogard just was really good. I think in the third period, right? Made three or four big saves. And then yeah. I think Stuart Skinner also tonight, like, can't forget about him. He obviously, I, he played, I, I would say he played, I think he played really well. Like, I'm just, I want to just check his stats like, real quick. Yeah. 906 save percentage. Yeah, Skinner had to be good 
especially in the first half of the first period. Mm-hmm. And then later on in the third period, when the Sens kind of got a little bit more of a push, uh, the second period was when things really fell apart. And once again, you see that sort of comparable where they don't play a 60-minute game. I mean, right now, maybe you want to say they play 30 minutes and the Oilers, we're thankfully down to like a 10 minute window where mm-hmm. we just suddenly forget about how to play hockey. Maybe we show up late or maybe we collapse in the second period against uh, yeah, against the Toronto Maple Leafs, whatever yeah. it might be. Um, this is a very high skill team. The Oilers are just further along in their journey. And you can see that having and Matthias Ekholm, like you mentioned, when he was able to jump up onto the play, receive that pass from Bush, like in the in the uh, third period? No, uh, the buzzer beater from Bukestad. Oh, that, that was the second period. Yeah, that buzzer beater, when Ekholm got that pass from Bouchard, made a very keen eye sort of play, seeing a, a Nick Bukestad that was streaking along into the center of the ice and just feathers a pass over there. Something like that. Ekholm is such a fantastic ad for this team, and it really cut down the amount of minutes that someone like Darnell Nurse has to play. And Mm -hmm. when that happens, you get a team that is just so much more solid instead of, you know, collapsing for 20 minutes, it's 10 minutes, maybe a couple of pizzas here and there. But that's what happens when you still have a couple of young guys. Your bottom line, again, as long as they're not getting absolutely caved in you got a solid chance at taking yeah, the playoffs well if you look at the ice time at least for the defense like uh ekholm only played 1939 and i, w- I want to say that's probably the lowest he has played with the oilers in his six or seven games he's been here uh, i think it was low well i think and and, and nurse played 22 41 so he's still kind of at the random average bush played exactly 20 uh, I want to, I don't know if I noticed this and I, I wonder if someone in chat noticed this. Did Bouchard get another shift after he served up the pizza in the third period? Cause it was pretty late. Uh, but the, the big difference in this game was Kulak and Deharnay. Kulak played 15 and Deharnay played almost 18 minutes tonight. So, uh, obviously a really strong play from Deharnay. I want to say in the second period, Deharnay made a fantastic stretch pass to Warren Fogle waiting at the offensive blue line. He kind of circled around and passed it probably 90 feet up the ice. It was right on Warren Fogle's tape. And again, one thing that's really surprised me has been Vincent Deharnay's puck skills, uh, at least yeah. passing, moving the puck. Uh, and the offensive zone obviously still needs a little bit more polishing. I think he still needs a little bit more polishing generally when he's moving the puck and he needs to develop that defensive awareness that just comes with time and experience in the uh, playing in the NHL. But I think for the most part where he's been he definitely went was on a high trajectory then i think he plateaued for a bit but tonight 18 minutes i think he was super solid and i i'm really i'm really happy with how he played so that's a positive because again we're going to have to rely on these guys like cc also had a relatively good game for uh at least the stretch cc had been struggling i think for a while i think he i think cc played as well as he has played all season tonight. If he plays like this, I think Cody CC is absolutely fine in that sort of second pairing role. Mm-hmm. I, I just don't need him to try and do too much heroics. Like you, you see guys try to pinch a little bit too often on this team. And that's when they get caught on these odd man rushes. I, I like the way that the defense is shaping up. One thing that I'm still not quite fond of is the way that Broberg is kind of sitting as a healthy scratch right you now you have to get him back in have you to. have to get him more minutes i think deharnay i don't know if it's true but he does have that sort of wrist brace wrist issue that's going on with him right now 
maybe you just want to sit him out a little bit or go 11 and 7 again, have him play a little bit more ice time, get Broberg back in or yeah. send Broberg uh, well, down. My thing, you, I don't think, I, I, I don't know. There's weird rules with sending people down and calling them up after the playoffs. I know Broberg was on the AHL roster at some point. I don't think it should be an issue sending him down, but I would rather Broberg playing in the NHL at this point because I would assume he's going to get time in the playoffs uh, if an injury happens, something the more likely than not, Bill Broberg will be playing in the playoffs. One thing that I would like to see the Oilers do before the regular season ends is I want to see one of Broberg or Kulak, even DeHarnay, get a consistent amount of time playing on the right side uh, because they are really weak on the right side. Bouchard, obviously um, amazing. He's him and Ekholm are top five pairing in the NHL. They click on all levels, defense, offense, transition. They are phenomenal at every facet of the game. Um, but yeah, I think Cody CC, because obviously, at least in my view, I think he played fairly well tonight, uh, just relative to how he's been playing. But you can't count on that, just from what we've seen all season. That Nurse CC pairing has been abysmal at points. So I want to see Nurse get some time with Kulak, Broberg, Dernay, and see if you can find a better fit. You see if you can find something that you can switch to if they're struggling. See if you can find something that you have a little bit of comfortability and familiarity with when the playoffs come. So you're not just scrambling and throwing stuff together. You know, you're up 3-2, down 3-2 at a crucial moment in time because that's when it all matters, right? You want to do get your experimenting done now. And I really think that, that something like that, that experimenting with the D needs to happen, right? That, yeah. that 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 at least is is my opinion here but like uh, 14 more games or something like that you can experiment in the playoffs so this is mm-hmm. it this is the final stretch run if you want to try new pairings if you want to guy bring guys in and out switch things up this is it well uh mgd in chat because I, I we brought up darren A's ice time and i just want to uh, acknowledge a point he made in the chat on the broadcast he says uh, Vinny had 514 of PK in his 17 minutes, and he leads all Oilers defensemen in PK ice time. So that's really interesting. He's been really impactful. And I thought the Oilers PK tonight was uh really good. One for the sense went one for five. Uh, that's you know 80% on the PK. And they're not a bad special teams team. Like they they can score a power play goal here and there. Well, in the one power play goal that they got, it was kind of unlucky, right? Off Vincent Off skate. skating in the net, right? So you know you hope that doesn't happen, and maybe your box uh Kachuk out. But at the end of the day, that's just more unlucky than anything. I think when you look at Vincent DeHarnay's last game against Tavares, he was doing a great job boxing out another big guy, right? Tonight, there was one which was a little bit iffy. It's the the one where Stutzla was kind of alone in the slot. I mean, Vincent DeHarnay pulled away from the boards in order to cover that net front present area mm-hmm. and for some reason Stutzla was just there was able to bang home a shot from I think like Batherson or something like that yeah. um muscle Derek Ryan whoever it was uh it that kind of stuff you would like to see him improve on is try and take a guy not just stand in front of the blue paint when there's no one there yeah but this is fine for Vincent DeHarnay he's a big dude he can shove guys out of the crease and you need that on the penalty kill I like having him here I just it's it's tough because there are now seven NHL defensemen as uh, Echoes Jigen or Jagen in in the chat has written. It's weird seeing the Oilers have too many NHL level defensemen. I would like to see Broberg play a little bit more just because mm-hmm. we've seen what some of our guys can do right now. If there's a chance that someone wants to take a night off due to a little bit of soreness or something well, like that, get Broberg in for a night. 
Yeah, well, well, for me, the thing also with the Oilers is they've run 11 and 7. More often than they have not. Uh, let's see what happens with Ryan McLeod here. Um, maybe you just go back to 11 and 7. I know Devin Shore keeps piling up the points, but like <laughs> you can afford to take him out for one game if you want to get Broberg back in. I think even though you're winning, I do think uh, it's not like the Boston game. The Boston game was a game where I'm like, keep that lineup together. That was a phenomenal win. You locked it down. That was my favorite, one of my favorite Oilers wins this season. This is the type of win where tinkering's okay get the guys out of the who are out of the lineup in the lineup make a few lineup changes obviously this wasn't a perfect game you got a much bigger test coming up against dallas um you're gonna you're getting into a run of pacific division teams i know i talked a bit about experimenting i still think you should do that but then you can't afford to play like this against you know i think they play seattle on saturday then we got a couple of games against la vegas these are divisional things these are they are vastly, Four point vastly, games. vastly, vastly important to the Oilers this year. If you want to make sure that you're that you're that, yeah, my favorite player, Devin Score. No, yeah, I, I, you know what, I, Devin, I should say this: Devin Shore, fourteen, Devin Shore, hate him, awful, horrible, nineteen, 19. Devin Shore. I'm contemplating a jersey. That's all I can say for now. Uh, Clifford Reynolds in the chat uh, says it's pretty amazing that McDavid is on pace for a 156. But oh, one thing I do want to say, uh, well, I got to say, because every time I start talking, I keep forgetting. But there's 42 of you guys watching now. I know some people are in and out. We only got 22 likes. I doubt we're going to hit this tonight, but I know a bunch of you guys are going to come watch after the game. Tell us your thoughts in, in the comments below. But also hit that like button. No others, 163. Let's try and get 63 likes. So let's pump it right now. Uh, let's try and smash it. I think I was in the game over Ottawa chat the other one when I was typing and set the like goal before. But uh, yeah, no, let's let's do that. But yeah, no, Clifford Reynolds sets uh, says McDavid is on pace for 66 goals. Uh, and uh, so that's probably going to happen. <laughs> that was the same amount of goals as Lanny McDonald's best year, strangely enough. No, we, we don't no. talk about Lanny McDonald. Wrong chat game. for that today. Right. <laughs> o- only guy with a, pro- a a mustache on the level of Stuart Skinner. That's that's what I could say about Lanny McDonald. But and then he says up top the one that I was reading was McDavid's on pace for 156 points with 14 games left. And I'm not an Oilers fan. Well, yes, Connor McDavid again. I was getting a little nervous, but he sealed it with the empty net goal. I know he missed one against Boston. We should be at 57 right now, but we're only at 56. Uh, yeah, it was fantastic to see. I love McPoints right now. I got a little bit of an extra high when I see them. They make me, I've got the biggest smile on my face. I know he's on pace for 66. I'm crossing my fingers, my, my toes that we hit 70. Cause how cool would that be? There's a, there's a lot of games later on that he could really rack up the goals. I mean, Arizona twice, uh, San Jose three times. Anaheim twice. There's a lot of chances. Mm-hmm. You never want to count out like you never want to count out teams. But Oilers, if they play a, an average game, an average effort game, they should be able to beat all those teams and take mm-hmm. home a W. You hope that you can maybe oh, feed McDavid there, a couple goals. There's a few three point games there. There's a few four point games there. I want to see Leon get to 50 goals. That's I think that's bound to happen. He's what he is a 46 six more six now. Oh, he's at 44. Okay, 44. yeah, still, that's going to happen. No, we're going to that one. Exactly, 100 points down in the books. We got to see the next milestone. Also, we got to get Nuge to 100 points. I think he's at 82 after tonight. By the way, Ryan Nugent Hopkins, fantastic game. He hit the bar twice. I know Evan Bouchard also had a post. Evan Bouchard just still no puck luck, even though he's a phenomenal hockey player, right? Just the unluckiest of guys. Of now, again, the pizza, his fault. Everything else off the post and bouncing. For that shorthanded goal, the send score, right? Bouchard takes a shot, misses the net. It kind of rose around the boards, and Bouchard's back on the 2 and one He goes down. He attacks the guy who... Is a, he's just taking a carrier shot. Yeah. yeah, the puck carrier 
He passes it right over. It was Gambrell to uh, Stutzla. Stutzla puts it home for his first, right? Nothing. It's just unlucky. If that was Tyson Berry. Um, same. I, it's, it's the exact same thing. Same. Tyson, that's happened to Tyson Berry a number of times. And, you know, it kind of just is what it is. But, yeah, no, with Connor, with Connor McDavid, it is so impressive. If he does hit that 156-point mark, that will be the most amount of points scored by an NHL forward that does not wear the number 99 or 66. That is it. No one else will have scored more points in the NHL. Just just Mario Lemieux and Wayne Gretzky. That is what? insane. Honestly, like if you look at it, the pace that these guys are having right now, is there any question anymore that they are the top number one, number two in the NHL right now? There, There's no competition at all. Like Matthews like is not even in. Yeah. McDavid oh, Dreisaitl is number one, number two. That's Matthews, it. Okay. Matthews isn't a top 50 player right now. Like, what's, yeah, Mitch, Mitch Marner is, is fantastic carrying the Toronto Maple Leafs. Nylander, fantastic carrying the Toronto Maple Leafs. I know Matthews' injuries beat to shit, whatever, unlucky this year. He blocks a lot of shots. Cool. Congratulations. You have the centerman version of Chris Russell. Fantastic. Good for you guys. But at the end of the day, Connor McDavid is on another level. This is a top five, 10 or top five season we've literally seen in NHL history, just with the era and the goalies and the way that he's doing it. And every time he's on the ice, I have the biggest smile on my face. No one but Oilers fans. And I know there might be a few sense fan watching understand the emotion and what it's like actually cheering for the best player in the world. Like I know you could say, Oh, well for a three game stretch in December, Austin Matthews was the best player. And Nathan McKinnon's the best player. And Kirill Caprizo's a shut the fuck up. But there's always a qualifier. The the thing is for me, it's, Oh yeah, he's better than McDavid and he's better than McDavid. Well, if 17 people you think are better than McDavid, you're comparing them all to McDavid. Why are you saying Caprizo's better than Matthews? He's the best player in the world. Like, no, it's always compared to Connor McDavid. One He's guy. the barometer. He's the measuring stick. He is the best player I've ever watched in my life. He is the best player I ever will watch in my life. I, 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 I love him. I love. I don't even know what to say. And I, I love the attitude coming out of this, these two right now. You know, like McDavid and Drysaddle, they, they've past the personal achievement part they don't care anymore you know mcdavid when he could have broken like a centennial record by making scoring another two goals that one game he's like ah forget it i don't i don't need my name next to punch broadbent Mm -hmm. like this guy is insane and it's almost funny how he doesn't care he specifically wants to sabotage a couple of these trademark like deadline things he wants to sabotage it's dude it's coming the playoffs i am so jacked for the playoffs this year the oilers if they can get goaltending i'm I'm not gonna guarantee anything anything can happen it's hockey right it's the playoffs it's a game of bounces but if this team gets goaltending do not count them out i know people in the in the we're we're, everyone here watching for the most part is an oilers fan we have watched this team (laughs) For years, we've seen every game they've played. For the most of us, have seen every game Connor McDavid's played. The Oilers have this rap that they can't defend. And I think for the most part, I think part of it is true. But I think, to be honest with you, it's gotten a little bit overblown in the past like three months. Like I hear a lot of it. People talk, they cannot defend. They absolutely cannot. This team does not play defense. That's not true. Like they like Bouchard and Ekholm when they are on the ice, they they can defend. When if CC could play, like CC when he's on the ice, they make a few mistakes. The problem is 
I think the Oilers, at least in the last couple months, have been really unlucky in terms of what chances do and don't end up in the back of the net. Like that game yeah. against Toronto, that was uncharacteristic. I know they had another giveaway in the slot today, but that was three giveaways in like the span of three minutes. I genuinely think the Oilers are a better team than they get credit for. I think the forwards, yeah, they fly the zone sometimes, but I do think they don't get enough credit for the way they play defensively. When And the thing about it is, like, you look at Leon Dreisaitl. Leon Dreisaitl, in a game in Columbus in the middle of December, I'm just going to be blunt. He doesn't give a shit. Like, you can tell. He does not care. And he does not backtrack. And as long as they win, it is what it is. Is it frustrating as hell? Yes. Am I going to call him out for it at the time? Absolutely not, because I love him to death. But you see tonight, the the games are winding down. The clock's getting set. Everyone's getting amped up. Everyone's getting ready to go. And Leon was flying tonight. Leon, This looked like vintage Leon. You know, Leon The Drazo, laziest goal scorer to ever do it. But 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 the laziness is, that's January, December, <laughs> Leon. He, he drinks too much eggnog every year. It happens like clockwork. The Oilers always go on that shitty stretch in December and January and just so happens to coincide with Leon Draisaitl having the worst stretch of the season every single year. But he's turning on. You know who's the third highest points per game in the playoffs of all time? It's Leon Draisaitl. Connor McDavid is fifth. Like, they have the playoff performance. They have the horses. This is the thing, right? When you see Leon actually hustling, actually going hard, like he absolutely crushed Chikrin earlier earlier in this game, right? It's insane. He's a big man that can skate with an insane amount of hands. He can snipe. He can shoot that 100-mile-per-hour blast that he had in the slot. He's just an all-around great player. Mm-hmm. But you're right. He has a little bit of that spunk to him where he's like... I don't really care about this game as long as we win. I don't care how many points I get, how many goals I score. Let's just secure the W and get back to the hotel. Like that's that's Leon, and I love him for it. Love oh, yeah. the sassy Leon. I it, we love sassy Leon. He hit <laughs> he hit Chickering today. Chickering gets hurt, and Leon does not care. I love when Mike someone mic'd up catches a Leon dry subtle chirp. They're always hilarious. The guy looks like he has a heart of gold, but he's got the he's got the personality. Everyone loves to rag on Connor. He doesn't show any personality. He doesn't show any personality. I I don't understand why anyone cares. Is it really like I, I need to maybe this is a hot take. Maybe this is stupid. Is it like how is Connor McDavid showing personality going to grow the game? Like what do you want Connor McDavid to do to grow the game? You want him to like go on Twitter like LeBron and go the hashtag the kid the king from Newmarket, the kid that never could. You better be he, he pretends like he was an underdog all his life even though like LeBron actually was an underdog. Connor <laughs> McDavid, eh, I don't it, I don't It's not know. true to the person, right? Like you want you want someone who is willing to put their personality out there, not someone who forces but, themselves to do it, but right? Like how? Like expl- like people are always ragging him. He doesn't show any personality. He doesn't smile. But like, I want to know an example. What? Like, you want him to be like Travis Kelsey and go on Saturday Night Live? Like, no, because you know he wouldn't do a good job of it, right? But what you need from your your players is, for example, like Zach Hyman. He's a guy that everyone knows his character and he lives by that example. He goes in and, and writes children's books, has a ton of time spent with charity. Like Darnell Nurse spends a lot of time with charity here in Edmonton. Like these guys, they don't 
yeah, Kane, like they have a lot of personality and it doesn't have to mean personality doesn't mean you have to be flashy, well, right? You don't have to be exuberant in the way that you carry on yourself. As long as you're bringing a little bit of your personal life into your game, that's fine. You, that's you all what we I think? need. You want to know what I think? I think the best way for Connor McDavid to grow the game is to win the Stanley Cup and to score goals like he did against the New York Rangers and the Winnipeg Jets and the Columbus Blue Jackets and just score highlight real goals and put up crazy highlights and have and then you see people like I show speed and other streamers and big people in the internet and all these people reacting to hockey highlights talking about McDavid and watching him. No one's gonna be like, oh wow, well, you know what really grew the game. Man, I saw this hockey, I saw this football player, Travis Kelsey, on Saturday Night Live. Man, I just gotta tune into the Kansas City Chiefs game. If you weren't watching the Kansas City Chiefs before and Saturday Night Live is a thing that made you go to, you know, watch the Kansas City Chiefs, like, I'm sorry. That's I, rare. How, how many people are actually like that? This doesn't happen. I don't believe so i like you look at mcdavid at the junos like i thought that was awesome i thought he was obviously nervous as shit you could literally hear the trembling in his voice as he read the teleprompter but the the man's humble right and that's what you realize when you when you watch him and you're hearing him amidst these mvp shouts and there's tons of musical legends that are around him that are arguably way bigger stars than any hockey player right like nickelback avril lavigne these people are way bigger stars but at the Mm -hmm. same time everyone in this arena is shouting mvp at him and he's a guy that's maybe uncomfortable about that he's very humble at heart that's fine that's true to his character and if if the way that he presents himself is a humble guy that just works hard every summer trains himself on whatever he thinks is weak in his game that's a personality you can market to if if you think Connor mcdavid gets off on being in a big market and being the center of attention you are absolutely out to lunch you've never watched Connor mcdavid a day in your life austin matthews that's a guy who wants to be on the biggest possible stage um, both personally and professionally, right? If he gets asked to be somewhere in Toronto with Justin Bieber, he's there front and center. He wants to be at a fashion show. He wants to be at the UFC events, right? He's going to be in the front row. He's going to be featured. He's going to be everywhere he can be. That's just who he is. Connor McDavid has never shown anything of that. One thing I want to say about the Oilers, like, yeah, like, okay, oh, yeah, you live in Edmonton, big deal. At the end of the day, they spend a quarter to a third, a third to a quarter of their actual year in Edmonton, right? Yeah. They're on the road for half the season. Uh, then they get to go and they have the summer to go for four months wherever they want. They could go to California. They could go live in Toronto. Like they're not actually in Edmonton that much, right? No. I don't think that the market necessarily plays as big a role. Like I know one guy, Bob Stoffer, likes to say that there's three things that free agents like to take into account when they go, when they're, when they're, you know, finding a destination to play for there's money lifestyle and chance of winning usually if you can hit two or three of those then you're good you're getting more likely than not to get the player the oilers okay yeah the lifestyle here probably not the best you're not going to be wearing flip-flops and shorts of the game but money and chance of winning is definitely something that the oilers can offer and you're right lifestyle also it it's the climate and all that but it's also things about just walking down the street and not being disturbed right you see that's why johnny Gaudreau walked to columbus no one gives a shit about hockey in ohio but that's what he wanted he wanted to be on the east coast so he could be close to his family but not like in the big city he didn't want to be in the big apple jersey no no i'm gonna go into a quiet neighborhood where if we blow it and we have an 
awful performance. The next day, I can just walk down the street and go get lunch. No one would care. Yeah, McDavid is like that too. Like you never hear, you hear about all the other Oilers doing stuff in Edmonton. And I know McDavid does charity work and he does stuff in the community, but like you don't really hear about many run-ins with McDavid in the public, right? He's at home. He's an introvert. At the end of the day, he's an introvert. He shows his personality on the ice. And I think the best way for him to market the game and showcase the game, the best thing that he could do is win and score flashy goals. He's never going to be someone to come out and just, you know, go like, you know, I don't even know. Go to the Oscars. I don't don't even know. He doesn't want to be like, at like you could see when they were in New York, right? Mm-hmm. Costin, Kane, and Yanmark, I think, went to um oh my god, what did they go to watch? They watched something, I was think, at Madison Square game? Garden. It was like a basketball game or something yeah, like that. Yeah, 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 yeah. And you could see that that's what they wanted to do. But when when McDavid's out and about, you don't see him going to a whole ton of events unless he's explicitly invited and has to go. Normally he's just like, I'm gonna go have dinner. At a the nice guy, the guy used a shoelace for a belt for like yeah. for like a significant portion of a season once. Like he is not a flashy guy. So at the end of the day, and this is a rabbit hole that I'm I, I love to go down. Um, Dude, I love definitely like this. we definitely stray a little bit off topic here <laughs> uh, once we started talking about Connor McDavid, just of you know, how amazing he is. But yeah, it, it's definitely super interesting, and I and I and I it makes me genuinely curious when I hear people, oh, he's not doing enough to do the game, he's not showing enough personality. Like, will a smile and a scrum and telling Ryan Rashog to go screw off really make a difference? Like, like what do you want him to do? I think like what do you see? The most personality and the best thing is what you see like his relationship with Ben. That's the closest you're gonna get, and I think that's yes. phenomenal, right? Like that's the that that's McDavid showing his personality, and I and and I think. And I, as an Oilers fan, I think are happy. I think this is much more of a narrative that comes from outside the market than it does from inside Edmonton. But it's it's definitely one that I like having. A definitely super interesting conversation. And it's it's fun to see where things will go from here, right? If we win a cup, does that change the narrative all of a sudden? Do people suddenly nope. stop talking about him leaving they, Edmonton once his contract is done? The second he wins a cup, it's going to be they should have had two, you know, but already by now. Like, <laughs> How did they squander his talent and only and give him one cup? they're not winning again next year. Like everyone, you know, it's the same it's the same thing. We all know he's going to write that article, but uh, yeah, man, it's 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 been a blast. It's been super. It's been super interesting here. We we got. I'm sure we'll we'll kind of let's let's kind of you know wrap it up here with yep. talking about what's coming up with the schedule here. We kind of touched it in a little bit, but uh, we next got, next game's gonna be Dallas. And yep. if the Oilers do finish in the top wild card spot, top wild card spot, I hope they don't. It is a chance. I was saying this to Dennis before the broadcast. Dallas and LA probably scare me about equally. Uh, the difference between Dallas and LA, I think, solely is their goaltender. Their goaltender is very strong, and we saw what he did against Calgary. He had one of the statistically one of the best playoff performance seven game stretches of all time. He was uh, he was Hall of Fame caliber in that one series, right? Like he was un believable that is a guy that and we saw it happening was like i know they didn't have the firepower but again with connor hellebuck like he goalie the oilers in a playoff series so going up against a guy like ottinger definitely scares me corpus has been good against the oilers this year and he i know he's had been strong uh definitely doesn't scare me the way he does with dallas but the difference in la la knows how to play the Oilers really well they mm-hmm. struggle with that trap game that the that la tends to throw with them i think they're they haven't beaten la this year la's got better players than they played with than they beat them in the playoffs with last year and they went to seven games um obviously i still would take the oilers in that series la scares me 
if you can it does and right now if you go in that series if you don't beat la and beat the games win the games you got coming up you have um you don't have home ice advantage, uh in, in yeah. any of these series so yeah like let's let's get going here honestly you're right like <laughs> we'll be honest everyone that you play in the playoffs is gonna be a good team they're gonna have ways to steal games from you you're right. Honestly, the way that the Oilers play, I would almost rather them play like Seattle. There, ha- there has to be a little bit of a point manipulation to get that to work. The the one thing I will say, and I, and I agree, Seattle is the ideal uh, playoff opponent. The one thing I am vehemently against picking my opponent in the playoffs. I did it once. I was like, oh, they're not. I don't want them to play Montreal. I don't want them to play Montreal, and they, I want them to get Winnipeg. They got Winnipeg. They got swept. When you get to the playoffs, it's a different game. Yeah. Everyone elevates their game. And I believe in the Oilers in any series that they play in, if they can get goaltending. But it's a matter of doing that. And again, we're got we're gonna have a nice stretch of Pacific Division games here where it, it the standings are bound to change. All over the place. Mm-hmm. And to be fair, Kings Golden Knights, that would be a hell of a first round. Like the Oilers can sweep whoever in the second round coming out of that, but a Jonathan Quick revenge tour. See, the, the, the problem with that is if the Kings do play the Golden Knights, I just want to pull up the standings real quick here. Someone if, would have to dethrone well, Vegas. The Oil, for, well, for the spot. Oilers would, I assume, because then Oilers are playing Dallas, they would get the crossover matchup against Dallas, and then the Oilers are in the Central Division. So then in the second round, they have to take on one of Minnesota or Colorado. Both scary Both teams. teams that, for whatever reason, the Oilers struggle Just. with mightily. To, There's in, no in easy games mind, in the playoffs. No, you're right. There's no easy <laughs> games in the playoffs. In my mind, you need to finish top three in the Pacific. You need that is the best path for you. I know Los Angeles is scary. I almost like the matchup against Vegas better than I do against LA. But yeah. um, LA is a good team, man. LA is a really good team, and their goal differential once they got Gavrikov and Corpus Allo started ticking up. <laughs> Um, yeah, uh, it's going to be really interesting. I am so excited for what's coming. I couldn't be more jacked up, but yeah, that was fun, man. Good to be back. It's a great, it's a great time. Anytime we're on a broadcast together again, uh, you guys don't have to wait long for the next one. Thursday against Dallas, Zach and I will be back. It's a 7 p.m. Mountain time puck drop. Let's hope that this uh, this Pacific Division standings will stay at least the way it is. Uh, Seattle, I think, plays tomorrow. We'll yeah. see how things go. Yep, exactly. Oh, no, Seattle doesn't play until Thursday as well. Thursday as well. Oh, there you go. So uh, we'll see. see. On Thursday, we might may or may not be more dejected than usual. <laughs> Yeah, uh, it looks like the King, the Islanders blew it to the Kings, and now the Kings are winning 4-2, so not great news. The standings, the Oilers have not been getting much help in the standings. Michael Kerber says Zach is dinged up, that's why I didn't play. So it looks like there's a minor injury, I can assume, from that. Uh, So hopefully Zach Hyman feels better, and I'm not sure what's happened with Brian McLeod, but we will find out, and we will discuss it on Thursday when we break down the game against Dallas. One more time, you guys want to hit that like button. How many likes are we at right now? Cannot tell. 35. We got 35. There's 48 watching. The goal is 63. So when I check tomorrow morning, I hope to see 63 likes. Thank you very much for joining us. Dennis, where can they find you? On Twitter, Dennis Lee, Y-E-G. Zach, where can they find you? You can find me at ZWill97. Thanks so much for joining us, everyone. Have a great rest of your night. Take care and, and play, play La Bamba, La Bamba baby. baby. Good night. Good night.
powered by Sports Interaction, Canada Sportsbook.